All right, good morning, everybody. Mike Courtney here, Mass Mutual Eastern PA. I'm joined by my good friend and counterpart, Steve Parisi, owner and CEO of IBC Global. Steve, how's it going? How's the week going for you? Fantastic. Nice and brisk outside. Had a good run this morning, but it's it's going well. Thank you. Nice. Uh, so today we wanted to jump right into some conversations about um, the consumer side of cash value life insurance. Um, Steve in particular, but Steve and I both typically deal with consumers and clients and individuals who have done a hefty amount of research by the time they come to us and have a very specific idea in mind as to what they want. Um, What have you seen, Steve, as far as frustrations from clients, um, maybe being sold something they didn't really ask for, maybe some misconceptions? Um, I know you've got a bunch of examples where, you know, you had clients come to you with, you know, somewhat ruffled feathers from something that happened over here in a different way. What does what, what that what does that look like in the past? Yeah, I can speak directly to that. So the, the number one source of frustration and buyer's remorse that I hear from people with whole life insurance policies is when they were interested in a whole life insurance policy specifically for the cash value. That's why they had the conversation with their agent or advisor. That's their point of interest. And they were told this product is the best. It's going to deliver these great cash values. You're going to have all this money. You can use it for all of these things. And then the years pass and the product under delivers or the years pass and they find out that it could have been set up much, much better or it's more cash rich up front, long term, stronger guarantees. Another way to put it is they thought they were being sold the best product in their best interest because they expressed, I want a maximum cash value product. You're giving me that, right? To the agent or that was the understanding. And then they felt like this is not what I was sold. That, if that made sense, is what causes so much frustration and where people come to us, whether pre-policy, meaning they're looking at policies, they haven't opened one. And then it's unfortunate a lot of times people say, hey, I have these policies, like I'm studying them and I'm extremely disappointed and frustrated because I've pulled the, the cover up and it's just not doing what I was told. Yeah, I mean, I guess it might be, you know, you could, you could chalk it up to um, maybe an advisor or an agent who doesn't really know what they're doing, which is unfortunate, or someone who purposely is not going to take policy design in that direction as far as maximizing cash um, for other reasons, whether it's, you know, to increase their commission on a sale or maybe it's just like not exactly what they believe is right. I think sometimes that, that might be what it is where, you know, instead of really delivering what the client's asking for, uh, you know, you're kind of taking things in a different direction because that's what your training tells you to do. I don't know. That's a good point where we may believe so strongly in a certain 
business practice or a certain way of how policy should be set up or anything that we put that on our consumers and we might not even be aware of it because it's ingrained, right? right. <laughs> We've done it nonstop. And the issue with that, so many high-level sales professionals, um, small businesses get caught up in this where they get so focused on a certain process that it has to be this way. This is how I've done it my whole life. And whenever I hear or see that, my thing is like, okay, take a deep breath. Try and imagine someone else saying the same thing to you. Your response is going to be what? What should it be? Focus on the consumer. Answer their questions. Like if you ever watched Shark Tank and the sharks ask somebody a question, they start telling a story or going off point. My wife sees me. I'm like, no, no, stop doing that and answer their question. Like you're going to lose the deal. Like you've got to stay on point for the consumer there. Um, so I 100% agree with you when you said sometimes we get caught up in our beliefs or a certain way and then we don't listen to the consumer and that that can kill a deal and it can cause frustration like if i told you or you told me hey i'm looking at putting 100 grand per year into a policy and you get the sense that i'm not listening to you like <laughs> what's going to happen i know and there's a i guess there, there would be advisors who would would argue that um you know they're always looking out for the you know, everybody throws around the word fiduciary now, um, or they're looking out for their client's best interest. But you know, you're really you're really not if you're misleading them and selling them something that they didn't really ask for. Co correct. Now, I you know I, if you're not willing to deliver, if you if you have reasons why you don't want to deliver what they're asking for, then you should kind of say that in plain English. You, you should. And, and, you know, and I don't want to get too technical on today's podcast, but we run into that quite a bit with different ways to design policies, right? If I want to pay in $10,000 per year, um, I'll often get, hey, can I see the difference between a 1090 split and a 4060 split? And what that means, just for a quick overview, is if I'm paying in 10 grand per year, a 1090 split would mean 10% is directed toward the base premium, 90% toward PUAs, maximum cash value right off the bat, and a 40-60 would mean 40% four grand directed toward the base premium, which doesn't show up in cash value. And, and my point is, there's you know so many different ways to design a policy, but when I hear that, my immediate mind goes to show it to them. Yeah, it's extra work, but show them it, show them it apples to apples with different companies, different products, and I think where people get in their way, and I used to be guilty of this too, is instead of sitting down and doing the work for the client, you try and talk your way out of it to say, eh, you know, I wouldn't do that. This is the best way to do it. Or it'll mac and you use some kind of excuse that they don't grasp because they're not in the business. Like you can't do that stuff. That's the lazy way out in my opinion. Like do the stick to the fundamentals like you would do in day one in the business when you're hungry for it. Like you would take the time and show the different options. Well, it's funny because that you say it that way because there is kind of an old school mindset during the sales process of minimizing options. You know, yeah. like <laughs> I can think of that, that. I don't that I don't think applies in today's world, but I can think of you know, trying to work through a particularly tough case or working with a manager who was like, all right, the, the client that I'm dealing with wants to see this, this, and this. Now that's just going to confuse things. It then, then he's thinking about this and this and this and this, and you got to get him to think about this mm -hmm. and realize that this is right. So I think there are, 
you know, there's, there's definitely advisors out there who, um, for good reason and with good intentions in the past have developed a mentality of cut to the chase, yeah. get something in place, don't get lost in all the options. But uh, today's world has changed so much. Um, yeah. So it's so easy from a technology perspective to provide options and to review options. I mean, like you work through some very complicated case design and kind of summarize it on one sheet, you know? So whereas like in the past, that might've been two or three client meetings yeah. to work through today, you know, it's, it's legwork on your end, but today it might be an email with a summary spreadsheet, hey, review all these options, and then we can get into more nitty gritty questions. What? Mm-hmm. So, like, there, there really is no reason not to provide all those options and show people, you know, if you make this change, here's the effect. Is it material? Not really, or maybe, or maybe it is. You know? Yeah, and to your point too, there's some, there's a lot of truth to the point you made as far as the sales tactics or strategies when a client has a lot of questions, they want to see different options. And the senior agent says, no, 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 we're just going to show them this. Otherwise, it's going to complicate the situation and it's just going to go nowhere. There's some truth to that. But at the same time, like you have to listen to the individual. If they really want to see different options and you can you get that feeling like you know what's real, think of it if it was you and someone didn't show you the options that you asked for. Like if they did it to me, I'm going to go shop with someone else. You know, on the topic of frustration. Well, do you have do you, do you ever run into scenarios where you get to a point with a client where, um, you know, in a polite professional way, you kind of cut them off from, you know, after the guy the the thirtieth illustration that somebody's asked you for that looks pretty much exactly like the other twenty nine <laughs> illustrations. Is there is there a point where it's like, hey, you know. Good question. So no, no, we we don't do that. Um, and, and years ago, like there would be times with, with um, some technical individuals, we'd run a couple hundred illustrations and go back and forth. But that was kind of my background. It is I like doing that kind of stuff. I know that sounds weird, so I would I would indulge it and run <laughs> run the numbers as well. But um, we don't we don't get that a whole lot anymore. Um, occasionally, we get someone that wants to see a number of variations. But typically, like how we'll present it with the recording and talk through it as well, they get a good sense, like they understand how it works. Um, so if they're at, you know, 20 different illustrations and they ask for another set, a lot of times it's, oh, yeah, we can definitely do that. And, and by the way, the original one we actually worked on mirrors that request very much. Here you go. And like, oh, yeah, I saw that already. Okay, that actually works. Um, so there's ways to, to do it without doing double, triple, quadruple the amount of work in that respect. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I guess too, a lot of the folks that you're dealing with, they really are taking the time to some, some understand are. what's going on and what the mechanics are. So that probably does, uh, I'm not saying it cuts down on how many illustrate. It probably means that the person that's going to look at 20 different illustrations, if they weren't really taking the time yeah. to understand all the mechanics, they'd probably be looking at 75 different illustrations. Yeah. And because I mean, they wouldn't really be retaining the moving parts. Yeah. We, we do work with a lot of engineers, IT professionals, people that like that kind of stuff. They want to know it to make sure they truly have the best option. But 
kind of on the the point of this this podcast today, frustration where clients you just get irritated with life insurance. Non technical guy connected with him probably about a month ago initially. Um, he's worth about a hundred million dollars. Does extremely well. He reached out to us. He's not a technical guy one bit. He reached out to us because he was frustrated with his other agent. He doesn't. He has not bought a policy from him yet. He's frustrated with the fact that he cannot get answers. He expressed to me it was one evening. He's having dinner with my wife. I'm like, hey, he's calling. Is it all right if I, I answer it? Like, yeah. Um, he's really entertaining too. I like talking to him. He's a good guy. But he just he called me out of frustration. He said, I'm trying to get answers like to what my rating is, what the premium is on these policies, and it's like pulling teeth from him. I cannot get answers. It's just like this big long-winded explanation beating around the bush. And he's like, I'm done. Like, I'm not going to work with them. And, you know, why I tell this story is this is a guy who's worth $100 million that you don't find every day out there as far as a prospect, someone to have the privilege and opportunity to work with. And he's frustrated because he's not getting straight answers from a professional in the industry. So the lesson is when we hear someone asking questions or wanting to see different options, don't try to use tactics to avoid the thing you might want to avoid, whether it's the compensation, whatever it might be. You got to be upfront with them because people see through that kind of stuff. If you don't, like you're going to fumble it, you're going to lose it. What have you seen as far as do you see a lot of disgruntled enforce business? I do, not with ours. <laughs> and, and I want to emphasize that because before I really started writing policies heavily on my own, working in the corporate world, designing policies for corporations, executive benefit planning, like a lot of CFOs we would work with, like the conversation of actual in-force business would always come up all the time. So I really, I, I'm glad that I had that opportunity to learn about that and take that to the individual market. Otherwise, I'd run into the same trap that so many people fall into. Um, within force business, just yesterday, someone had emailed me. Um, he said, hey, Steve, a lot of your content and your team, I spoke with them, recommends the you know top companies, the big four, four major mutual carriers. I've got a policy with one of them. And here's how it's performed, and it's done horrible. He showed me the numbers. He broke it down. You can tell he's you know got an engineering background, technical. Um, so you know I looked at it, went back and forth with him, and asked him some questions. And to summarize, the design of that policy was a traditional 100% base premium policy, where companies play games with the dividends, particularly on the base premium component, not so much the PUA piece. Technical detail again, but. What he was disgruntled about, he said, when I was sold this, like the internal rate of return over time projected about a 5.1% net IRR. At this point in time, it's delivered a little over 2%. Like what, what is going on here? And we've ha we have studies, I've got videos that break down exactly how dividends work on base premium dollars, PUA dollars. And he was one who saw it, picked it up right away and said, okay, I get it. How come the companies can really adjust the actual dividend that's paid more in base premium dollars than PUA dollars? 
and I'm getting technical here, so I won't get into all of that. My point is very frustrated because he was sold a product. He expected it to deliver as illustrated or very close. The, the agent said, that, well, if dividends go down, it might perform a little bit less, but it should be close to the non-guarantees was less than half when you really look at it. And he was he was agitated. So just going back and forth, showing him examples just like his or similar that I've seen in the past. And then the same company or another big one where it's designed differently and it's a world of difference with actual results. He's like, all right, that, that makes sense. It's a bit frustrating, but it, it makes sense. Right. That was long-winded. <laughs> no, that's what, I, that's what I was looking for though. That, <laughs> that is frustrating. I mean, and it's somebody... You know, I guess it's just, you know, it all boils down to, you know, we talk about this a lot, just, a, you know, more focus on the consumer, more focus on, uh, you know, the Amazon model. I'm looking for mass to do that as well. You know, yeah. it's hard for these companies. I mean, they get, they get, you know, there's, there's, there's so, and even for an advisor, I mean, there's so many people chirping in your ear. This is what you need to do. This is how you got to do it. This is why. And, uh, you know, this is why it's so important that a lot of times it gets lost that, you know, this is a business that's about people and families and helping people achieve goals and, um, you know, just helping them facilitate some of these things. Uh, that gets lost. Yeah, yeah. Have it really ever, does. Yeah. So let me, uh, I'm going to ask you a question that a lot of people um, ask me all the time whenever they're discovering cash value life insurance um, or whole life, they've been presented it before and then they see it from us like, okay, this is so much different. Why don't, why doesn't everyone do this whole life insurance policies or how come everyone doesn't see policies like this with maximum cash value from start to finish? Because like, why would I not do this? Like, why is this not shown more? <laughs> I get asked that question all the time. Have you ever heard that one? Yeah. I mean, like I totally, and, uh, you know, it's funny, I've got a, a couple of buddies who are mass mutual advisors with another agency. Yeah. Um, but we talk uh, pretty regularly. Um, and it's more of a, so, you know, it's a social relationship, not so much a business relationship. When we talk business, they're advisors and they're focused on uh, mass mutual business. So they, they do a decent amount of life business and annuity and DI and um, they're kind of mystified by uh, as advisors, you know, like they don't really even get it. Like they're more, um, you know, they'd be much more investment focused and wealth management focused. And I always think, I believe in, in diversification completely, but I always think like, if you told me that I could have something where I could possibly get up to a 5% tax-free rate of return on my money over time. And if I borrowed against the money, I could borrow against the money, but still accumulate interest as if my whole mo all my monies were sitting there and I had a death benefit yeah. and it would just be like a consistent source of tax-free income if I need it. I mean, I'd be like jumping out of my chair for yeah. something like that, at least for a portion of, you know, I mean, if you look at your, your assets or your income or whatever, right, you know, yeah. on a monthly basis, I've got, uh, you know, a thousand dollars to put somewhere. 
I don't know, I'm putting 20% of that thousand dollars into, into that vehicle. Yeah. You know, and yeah. to argue otherwise, the arguments that I hear otherwise sound like someone who doesn't know what they're talking about, which very often is people in our business. So it's, you, yeah, that, that's that a does, weird, you know, it's, a, it's, it's interesting. That does happen. I mean, as soon as you get a life insurance license, you're thrown into the pool and you're not trained yet. So, Hey, go swim. And you're viewed as a professional. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the question I'll let you know how I answer it all the time, which is uh, why was I not shown? Yeah. That wasn't before? really an answer here. No, no, no. But I mean, it did speak. It provided context around it. Why was I not shown this before? Or how come everyone doesn't know about why this? Why doesn't everybody do this? Exactly. And my answer is, you know, there's not much awareness around it when it comes to whole life insurance. And really, it comes down to the individual you're working with, the agent. There's two things. The agent has to know how to design that policy properly, speaking so it doesn't mech or anything long term. And they have to be willing to do it. What I mean when I say willing to do it is when a policy is designed where you, the consumer, see your cash value up front, that means the commission is going to be minimized for the agent. So they have to have that level of expertise. It does take time to learn that. And then two, they have to know they have to be willing to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's more the, the issue, not the time to learn, the willingness to do it. Yeah. And frankly, some people have told us, because agents call us all the time, they said, I'm not designing policies like that. It's going to take me more time to explain all the mechanics and I'm going to make 10 to 20 percent of what I normally would do. Like, why would I do that? <laughs> I'm like, well, I mean, if your consumer wants it, like it's about them ultimately. Um, and then, you know, the conversation doesn't go anywhere. But that kind of stuff does go on sometimes. And like, yep, I, I do agree. I appreciate when someone's honest about it at the very least. Yeah. 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 I mean, and look, it, 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 that, that theoretical advisor that you're talking about in their defense, they're trying to feed their family. They're yeah. trying to, you know, some of these guys are wildly successful and, you know, making seven figures. And some of these guys are trying to pay their bills, you know, like, so mm -hmm. um, it's hard to throw rocks at anybody in particular. Um but I, you know, we've both seen scenarios where we feel like the consumer's interests, needs, and desires were not met. Yeah, and just, really weren't even attempted to be met. Yeah, just just listen to your your consumer. That's the number one thing, in my opinion. Like whatever your niche focus is, don't try and do things that like isn't your. That's not your field. Like what we're our focus, like my company's focus, IBC Global, is whole life insurance, not any other types, but whole life insurance, specifically policies designed for maximum cash value and flexibility. That's what we do. If someone asks us, hey, do you do other products or, you know, I'd like to do some investments or annuities, I'm like we don't we don't do that. I've got some great contacts I can refer you to that treat their business with those products exactly like ours. But rather than being a jack of all trades, like this is our focus. So we're going to listen to someone's needs on that. If they talk about something else, I'm going to make an introduction elsewhere because I'm not going to try and do it. I'm not, I'm going to do them a disservice. Right. Yeah. All right. Thanks for talking through this stuff today, Steve. Hey, uh, everybody out there, as we're heading into year end, um, we are absolutely slammed in underwriting. Uh, yeah. We're like really cranking things up. Um, not always the case. You know, I feel like everybody make in our business makes a big deal out of year end. And um, that hasn't always been the case. But this year, you know, we had a really uh, all the mutual companies and all the life insurance companies had a uh, went through all these product changes. And that's just created a lot of buzz and 
um, interest in both the old product and the new products. So we are really humming away for the end of the year. I mean, this is the most business we've had in the pipeline um, ever, ever since I've been here. Ever. Um, yeah. So if you've got uh, questions about cash value, life insurance, and about whole life, if you've got questions about Mass Mutual in particular, um, or you're looking for a really good advisor who can design a maximized cash value whole life policy for you, reach out to Steve Parisi, IBC Global. If you want to talk about mass, if you want to talk about uh, not just life insurance, but disability, long-term care solutions, all things mass mutual, reach out to me, Mike Courtney. Thanks for joining us today. Steve, have a good rest of the week. I'll be well, talking to you, you know, another 10 or 15 times before the end of the week. So I'll yeah. see you soon. Talk to you in 10 minutes. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Yeah. Enjoy.